0: Alright, Chabot good evening, good evening, and welcome to our Hilcho Shabbos Chabura. Baruch Hashem, it's incredibly exciting to, uh, to begin to start this Limud. So just to tell you a little bit about how Amirat Hashem we're going to uh, we're doing to conduct this limud. So my goal is to try to go through the order of the Lamentes Malachos. Literally, again, starting from the beginning of Lamentes Malachos. Although we'll see, there's some interesting discussion regarding what exactly is the beginning of the Lamentes Malachos, as we'll see tonight, and really to go through each of the each of the malachos from its origin in the Torah in the Mishnah. All the way, bringing it through halacha But the goal is really to work our way. Again, it's not. It's going to take us a while to get through all thirty-nine malachas But that is actually done. We've covered. A, we've covered a number of topics in the course of smichas chaver. But that, I mean, we might need to. Uh, make, we need to bring in more chairs yeah, or another another table. Okay, good. thank you. Yeah, we'll bring we'll bring in more chairs and, uh, and another table. You know, maybe. Uh, okay. Yeah, should we do that? Yeah. Okay. All right, so while, uh, while, while everyone is, uh, is shuffling in, so I'll we'll say so tonight, the we're going to begin with the Malacha of Chorish. Also, just a little bit about our, uh, our system, borrowing a little bit from the Smicha's from the Khaver playbook a little bit. We're going to do Imir Hashem, a monthly Bechina. A monthly Bechina. So every, every four Shi'urim, every four Shi'urim will do a test, we will do a Bechina. Of course, it's optional. But, uh, but the Bechinas, again, those of you who are part of the smicha's cover and hopefully still can be part of the smicha's cover program, know that Bechinas are incredible because they're a They obligate us to keep on top. I would also encourage everyone, pika a Chavrusa. We're going to be covering Emeritza Hashem. We're going to try to get in a lot in a relatively short amount of time. So pick a Chavrusa, who you're going to Chazer with. And choose a time over the course of the week, over the course of Shabbos, to over what we have learned, and that way again it, uh, it remains fresh. I can't promise you any comics or, uh, or anything like that from the Simech like this Mikha 's cover program has, but uh, I don't know. We'll see if there's a chaver that wants to maybe put together review sheets. I bari over here. Also, I'll say I think just because also Baruch Hashem, know, it's a big share, and we're going to try to cover a lot of ground. What I would say is questions. The best thing to do is WhatsApp them after the shir, WhatsApp me after the sheer And I think what we're going to try to do if there's a volunteer for someone to organize all of the questions and answers that come in and maybe share them with the WhatsApp group, that way everyone could kind of see what's happening between, uh, between shir. So we need a volunteer to coordinate review sheets and a volunteer to be able to coordinate the shilas and shilas. All right, you can see Ari Lichterman after this year if you want to volunteer for either of those, either of those positions in Meritza Hashan. So with that, let us begin. The Mishnah in number one says as follows. There are 39 malachas, 40 minus 1 malachas. And here the Mishnah goes through all of them. I'm just going to draw your attention to the first two. So the first one, of course, is Zorea, is sowing, sowing, planting seeds, and chorish, which is plowing. So we'll say, so remember again, whenever we learn Hilchoshab, Shabbos, we learn about malachas. So remember again, where do we learn out the 39 malachas from? So remember again, the 39 malachas are gleaned from the juxtaposition of the section of Shabbos To the construction of the Mishkan So therefore again we learn That any any Malacha, anything done In the construction of the Mishkan ultimately, again, becomes one of the 39 forbidden labors, of, forbidden categories of Melacha. So it's interesting to note this. therefore, in Hilchah Shabbos, Shabbos' perspective, whenever you see a Melacha, you ask yourself, okay, where was that done in the Mishkan? So therefore, again, question number one is, where was Choresh, where was plowing done for the Mishkan? So Rashi number two says as follows. Rashi says, Zavakulu kamaysa, Havi b'ssamemonim, Shel tseva va'agamon, so Rashi gives a very interesting interpretation. Rashi explains, Moshe, there are sheets, uh, there should be sheets right uh, right up here. So, so Rashi gives a very interesting interpretation and Rashi explains that that chorej, plowing was done because remember in the Mishkan, you needed dyes. Remember again, you had to dye curtains, they had to dye the roof of the Mishkan. So where do you get dyes from? How do you, get, how do you extract dyes? So dyes ultimately come from plants. Plants, have to be planted, so therefore, again, the malach of choresh of plowing was done in order to plow the soil to plant the plants, which ultimately, again, would produce the dyes for the beis hamikdash. Interestingly enough, where else does choresh come up? What, what other part of Mishkan service could choresh come up in? Lechem upon excellent. So, in fact, interestingly enough, what we're going to see is actually the first the first section of malachos is actually all grouped together. And they are called collectively sidura de pas, which literally means the process in order to produce bread. So interesting enough, although Rashi O'Hir only quotes that Chorish was done for the production of herbs or for the production of dyes, in fact, again, we know that chorish was also done in order to go ahead and produce wheat for the lechem upon him. Now, there's a whole discussion. Why doesn't Rashi bring that up? Okay, so like I said, we'll leave, we'll leave that for a different time. Shabbos so take a look at number three. So now, now we've understood over here. Number one, right, the malach of Chorish. Number two, the origin of Chorish. Number three, remember in all of Hilchos Shabbos, Shabbos as we keep seeing over and over and over, remember again, what do we, malachos have a shear? Right, in order to transgress a mullacha, you have to perform an act within a certain measure. A shir, so for example, right, g- give me an example of a shir on shabis. Shear on Shabbos. I'm sorry? Two letters for ksiba, good. What else? Dalaramas, right? Dalaramas and Sarabin. Right? These are all examples of things. In other words, if you go ahead and you write, you know, you write a letter, one letter. So technically speaking, you violate a Rabbanon, a rabbinic prohibition, but that's not the biblical malach of kosev. You carry an object to amasim u'shesarabim. Again, whole discussion: shear. What's the nature of chatsi shear? Point is, it's not the biblical malacha. So, what is the shear for choresh? Right. So ultimately, Rose so says. Now, again, we have this malacha called plowing. So halacha what is the shear? In other words, how much soil do you have to plow? in order to violate. So here the Gimar number three says, Choresh kolshehu. So interestingly enough, Kharisha we're going to see is one of the unique, one of the unique Malachas. And then I will say the Sheer is any amount. The shear is any amount. Now, by the way, you might be thinking to yourself that this has no practical application to us. We're going to see a mirror is going to have a dramatically practical application in just a little bit. So remember, again, the shear of Chorish is kol shu. says, so if you think about the, what that means is, what that means is, technically speaking, right, if you go ahead and you take your finger on Shabbos and you plunge it into soil and make a hole in the soil, or if a woman is wearing high heels, technically speaking, right, and goes ahead and steps in soil and produces a hole, technically speaking, that's the malach of Chorish, that's malach of plowing. Now, why is the malach of Choresh a shoot any amount? Why? What would you say? I'm sorry? Correct. Because remember again, the whole point of malach of Chorish is to plow the soil to plant the seed. Well, all you need is the smallest of holes in order to be able to, to put in the seed. And therefore, technically speaking, halacha l'maysa, chorich is kolshu. So we'll say, we're going we're gonna to see this. This is going to come up a little bit more next week's shear. We're going to talk about, again, walking across dirt areas and potentially compressing soil or going ahead and making a hole in soil, pushing a stroller, pushing a wheelchair, walking in high heels. We'll, we'll get to all of that. But just be aware that halacha l'maysa, the shear for the malach is any amount. Good. So take a look at number four. So yeah. we'll say, what's interesting, so by the way, so now, fine, so now, so now we've identified the malacha, plowing, we've identified where it's been done in the mishkan, we've also identified the amount, the shear, for plowing, which is a call show. Now what's will say, I'll show you something interesting, take a look, this is just an aside, just because I just thought it's interesting just to bring down, look at number one for just a moment, right? So, so look, look at the way the Mishnah lists the malachas, right? Back back in number one. Uh, so of those Malachos are Ban, chasra There are 39 Malachos. Hazorea choresh. planting and plowing, or, or seeding or sowing and plowing. What's strange about that? What's strange? The order is off. The order is off, right? Really, technically speaking, first there should be Choresh, and then there should be Zorea. So the Gemara actually asks this question, number four, and the Gemara says, Hazorea v'achoresh, Mikhti, so I don't understand, it doesn't make sense. First you have to plow the earth, then you, then you could sow it. You can't sow without plowing first. So what's going on over here? So the Gemara actually gives an interesting answer. The Gemara says, "Tana The author of our Mishnah lived in Eretz Yisrael, and in Eretz Yisrael, the soil was often very rocky. So therefore, interestingly enough, see, will say normally the way it works is like this, in my extensive farming uh, experience. The way it works is like this, right? You go ahead, you plow, you put the seed in. What do you have to do after you put the seed in? What do you have to do? Right? So cover it. And covering it is generally a relatively easy process. Well, in the rocky soil of Eretz Yisrael, interestingly enough, what you actually have to do is you have to plow to loosen the soil. Then you have to put in the seed. And then actually you have to replow in order to cover the seed. So the Tana of our Mishnah is actually from Eretz Yisrael, and that's why again you're right. There is plowing in the beginning, but he's when he points out plowing, he's actually talking about the second plowing that has to be done after the placement of the Sita as well. All right, j- just just an interesting idea. So I'll say so now the Shaila becomes what is the malacha? So we we translate the word Horesh as plowing. The Shaila is what. Is the malacha. So Rashi over here, number six, says as Rashi says, Malacha Acha, saying, Enu achas, el, I'm sorry, El Acha's Tukulu, Ara Avidi. Rashi says, the malacha of Chorish is softening soil. That's what it is. The malacha of Chorish, Rabbo saying, this is going to be very important because, according to Rashi, any act that you do to soften soil could be a potential issue of Chorish. Rabbo say, give me an example of an act that softens soil. What, what? Pouring water on it. So pouring liquid on soil, pouring liquid on soil. So again, remember, that's not how you would think about plowing per se in like the classic sense, but according to Rashi, if the whole point over here is to soften the soil, to be able to go ahead and put a seed in, so even pouring water on soil could potentially be chores. Again, we'll see lemaysa, how to plug all of this in. But let's let's get definitional clarity first. So now the Rambam comes along in number seven, and the Rambam says chol shu So again, the Rambam once again points out that choresh the sheer right the amount, so to speak, for plowing is any amount. So here, the Rambam gives a lot of very interesting examples over here. So the Rambam talks over here about weeding, right? About cutting grass or, or removing grass, or going ahead and pruning. So the Rambam says anything liapos es hakarka, anything that is done to beautify to beautify the land. So it's interesting that the Rambam seems to be advancing a different definition of Choresh. That's whereas Rashi understands that the definition ultimately is loosening of soil, how does the Rambam define it? The Rambam defines it as any act which beautifies the soil. So for example, according to according to the Rambam, landscaping, right? Landscaping on Shabbos. Now again, I do want to point out we're not up to it yet, but remember a lot of a lot of these actions or a lot of these activities also border on other molochos. For example, there's a malacha of Kotzer. Right? Kotser, the definition of Kotser is Oker mimokom gidulo, detaching something from the place where it grows. But leave, leaving those other secondary malachos on the side, just pointing out that according to the Rambam, anything you do that beautifies the land, ultimately is horish, ultimately is plowing. So we seem to have a fundamental definitional machlokas, Rashi and the Rambam. Rashi again Anything you do to soften the soil. Rambam, anything you do to make the soil beautiful. Okay. Now the Rambam himself have huh, to so say based on a Yerushalmi in number eight, but fine, we'll just we'll just leave that on the side. So, both say so the Mishtabura in number nine. Mishabur number nine. The Mishtabura number nine says as follows. <clears throat> the Mishtabura calls this, he says, Horesh Simin Shin 3.37, Arachayim, is going to be the, is going to be the simon that we're going to be focusing on. We're probably not going to spend more than two shiurim on Probably this week and next week on Chorish. So, but Lamazan is, is the simon and shulchan arach that we're really going to be hyper-focused on over here. So the Mishtaburah has a little hack dummy, has a little introduction. And he says, So here again, the Mishtaburah says, the point of Choresh, is to soften the soil, the az tov because then it is good for planting. The gam la hashvosagumos, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uli foso. So the Mr. does something very beautiful. does Mr. do? Mr. Buru makes shalom. And he says, Rashi and Rambam, you're both right. You're both right. The definition of chorish includes any activity that either A loosens soil or any activity that be goes ahead and, quote-unquote, beautifies the earth, beautifies the soil. So what comes out over here, therefore, is if you want to understand what is included in Choresh, in the Malach of plowing, we have the following six activities. Get ready for them. Number one, number one, classic definition of plowing and loosening the ground. Okay, number two, well, number two is leveling the ground. We're going to get to that in just a moment. That's the Mishnah we were just mentioned before, leveling the ground. I will say, by the way, why is leveling the ground a form of Choresh? Why? Right, because again, remember, that allows you to plant, right? The more level the ground is, the easier it is ultimately, again, to plant produce. So number one, so number one, so these are all six categories. Not six categories, but six, six um activities associated with that, that all fall under the umbrella ultimately of Choresh. So again, number one, plowing and loosening the ground. Number two, leveling the ground. Number three, making furrows. Now, again, we'll see examples of this right now. I just want to give you everything. So you have all the definitions. Number three, making furrows. Number four, removing obstacles. So for example, this is interesting, clearing stones from a field is Choresh. Isn't that interesting? Now, leaving aside, there's another issue with clearing stones, which is Moktza. So leaving aside the Moktza issue, but the act of clearing stones from a field will be Choresh, will be plowing. But if you think about it, it sounds so counterintuitive. What does clearing stones have to do with plowing But now it makes sense, because the malacha of chorish is not simply the act of plowing. The, the, the Malach of Chorish is any activity, which ultimately, again, allows the field to become more usable for the sake of planting. Okay, so that's number four, moving obstacles. Number five is fertilizing. And number six is making holes. Making holes. So those are all that, we'll, again, we'll expound on each of these, but just understand that these six categories or six examples or six activities are really based on the Mishtaburah's approach in number nine of synthesizing and harmonizing the position of Rashi and the Rambam together. So the Balach of Khorish is pretty much anything that softens the earth or ultimately again beautifies slash prepares the earth for planting. Okay. In number 10, <coughs> number 10, the Pnei Yoshua has an interesting exception to this. So as it's based on all of this. We see something interesting. Look at number 10, he says, listen to this The Penny says, therefore, say, if you go ahead and you do any of these activities on an area that is not keep, that is not fit for planting, you don't violate the malach of Chorish. So his, his example is his example is if you go ahead and you loosen the ground in the desert where you can't plant anything. That's not Choresh. Now, again, you might get into an issue of mukta moving dirt, but it's not Choresh. Or, but, you know, we're going to see where this comes up. We're going to see where this comes up. This is going to come up. We'll see this more next week about children playing in a sandbox on Shabbos. Uh, children to play in a sandbox on Shabbos. Again, leaving aside mukta issues, which we'll discuss also, but is that act of, like, digging in the sand an act of Choresh. Set first, and now based on what we just learned, just like the reflexive answer, the answer would be? I have to clarify. What what, what would you say? Based on what we just learned, what would you say? So, Moses says, Yes, you're making a furrow. Okay, what's the problem? What's the counter argument? It's not it's not plantable area. The Yeshua says the malach of Choresh has to do with engaging in activity that allows for planting in land. If the dirt you're dealing with is not capable of supporting vegetation, produce growth then there's no moloch of Choresh. So the Pashto a sandbox. you can't grow anything in a sandbox beside diseases, right? So, 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 the so you're not going to go ahead and you're not going to go ahead and be in violation of, of, Choresh. That's what it sounds like. Again, we're going to, we're going to, you, you'd be surprised how much there is to talk about with sandboxes. So, we'll come to that probably more next week, but just to understand the application of the, of the, of the Pnei show So good. So we'll say, so now, that kind of, you kind of, we kind of now have the table set for the Malach of Choresh. So I so now, something fascinating occurs, which is, <laughs> this is, this is so incredible. One of the, one of the most um, involved conversations when it comes to the Malach of Choresh is a topic that begins in Choresh, but has nothing to do with Choresh. What do I mean by that? Take a look at number 11. So look, this is the Arach HaSholchan. Arach writes this, he says, He says, Remember again, as we said before, if you go ahead and you make a hole in the earth, or you go ahead and you dig a furrow in the earth, so ultimately again, that's harisha. All right, not only that. I so will say, what else? If you take land and you smooth it out, whether you take like a tall, a tall mound and you make it and you, uh, what do you call it? Flatten it, flatten it, or you go ahead and you put dirt into a depression and build it up. That's also called chorish. You're going to both say, why is that called chorish? One more time, why is that called Choresh? Because ultimately, again, number one, you're beautifying the land. And number two, you're actively doing something to enable growth, right? It's easier, obviously, to plant the land when the land is level. Now watch this, says the Arach HaShulchan, however, however, he says, have he told the Choresh v'zehu basada?" Remember again, as the Pnei Yoshua said, the only time you're dealing with Choresh is when you're dealing with plantable earth, we'll call it. However, ava Now watch this, of now the Arach HaShulchan is operating with the idea of people who have dirt floors. So if you have a dirt floor, it was common that what happens is wear and tear. So there's a mound over here, a depression over here. So what do people want to do? They want to flatten out their floor. So let me ask you this, is flattening out your floor in your home, is that a derivative of Choresh? So the answer is going to be no, cause it's not plantable. We're assuming right now that the area inside your house is not really going to be planted. You want to say, uh, technically good." Let's let the halacha assumes that the area inside your house is not plantable. So if it's not plantable, it's not choresh. The Racha shulchan says, "You're right. It's not choresh." But you know what it is? You know what it is? It's bona. It's building. It's building. They both say another one of the thirty-nine malachas is the malacha of binyan of building. Right? Part of building. We're going to see. Interestingly enough, so so part of building. Part of building is flattening out the surface upon which you are going to build right if you don't have a flat surface to build upon that which you are going to build is not going to be sustained so therefore the archa Shulchan says something fascinating so you can imagine you can imagine this guy ruvein so if he's out in his field and he levels out the field that's called choresh. that's called plowing because he's beautifying and ultimately again benefiting or enabling the field to be better used for planting that same guy who levels the floor in his dirt floor in his house—that's not choriş because that's not a plantable area. But what that is is bona. That's binyan. That's the malacha of building. Okay. So this is this is quite fascinating. He says. So now, based on this, that's not a sholchan. Take a look at number twelve. Now, based on that, get ready for this. Based on that, sholchan number twelve, aser lechabed habayis you are not permitted to sweep the floors of your home on Shabbos. You're not allowed to sweep on Shabbos. Now, what, 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 is, what does that mean? Look at the Shulchan It says, Unless, of course, the floor of your house, and i literally could either mean like tiled or stone. The idea is that what? That what? It's not dirt. It's not dirt. So here the Aruch Paskins, you cannot sweep the floor of your home if you have a dirt floor. Again, I will say, before you even go on, why does the Shukamana say you can't sweep the floor, the floor of your home if you have a dirt floor? Why not? <laughs> bona. Remember, the technical term for this is called Hashvaz Gumos. Hashvaz Gumos means the leveling out of, of depressions. Leveling out of depressions. Hashvaz, Gumos, leveling out of depressions, is Bona, is building these buildings. So therefore, you can't sweep your floor on Shabbos unless, of course, your floor is not dirt. So again, tile or stone. The, so, we'll say, let's analyze it just a moment. So first, let's go, we're going to just go back and forth a little bit. at number 13, Sif Vov in the Mishnah Mishnaburah, writes, the Chabit Abayis. Timazis Ofra Mimkomo, because remember, again, Bosa, we'll so the, the Mishnaburah actually says you're doing two things over here. Number one, you're, you're moving dirt. Now, what's the problem with moving dirt? What's the problem moving dirt? Moktza. So number one, I have a dirt issue, a moktze issue. He says, furthermore, again, by sweeping, I'm going to be moving around dirt. I'm going to move dirt into depressions, thereby leveling them out, and leveling out the ground is going to be a form of binyan, going to be a form of building. Now, listen, now watch this. There's a, lot, there's a lot that's packed in here. Now, one second, I was saying, when I'm sweeping my floor, when I'm sweeping my floor, is it my intention to level out the floor? Is that my intention? No, no what's my intention? Yeah. To get rid of the dirt. Right? To get, literally get rid of the dirt. To move aside the dirt. So the Mishnah Bura says, even though it's not my intention, I'm not mescaving, afilu so hachi aser de we're being a lot, introduced to a lot of things on this first night of our Bura tonight. Remember again, in Hilcho Shabbos, let's talk about this in just a moment. In Hilcho Shabbos, there is something called a Dabrashinu Mescaving. Dabrashinu Mescaving means that I do, I do a particular act, and the act results in a malacha, but I didn't have in mind for that malacha. It's called davreshinim askaben. Then there's a higher level that's called a psikresha. I will say, in a the way it works is the act may or may not result in a malacha. That's different than a psikresha. Psikresha. I will say again. Remember, we learned this in masech Shabbos. The phrase psikresha literally means literally means cut off the head. Remember again, one of the most uh, popular Talmudic kids' toys were chicken heads chicken heads, high demand, right? Only one problem, only one problem. The only way to get a chicken head is how? Not a true question, right? Kill the chicken. So the, so the expression of the Gemara is, psik reisha yamos. Can you cut off the head and the chicken's not gonna die? So that's the expression of the Gemara. So a psik reisha represents an act you do on Shabbos that is definitely going to result in a malacha. Sikh resha is Usr, even if it's not your intent. So here's what the Mishtaburah says. The Mishtaburah says, when you sweep a dirt floor, you are absolutely going to end up leveling out the floor. Even if it's not your intention, you are definitely going to do that. And because it's definitely going to happen, therefore, what do we call that? Apsikh resha. And therefore, again, the Mishnah says that's how the Shulchan Taskins that if you have a dirt floor, it is prohibited to sweep that floor on Shabbos. Okay, the exceptional exception is: the exception to that rule is what? If you don't have a dirt floor. Okay, right, so if, if you don't have a dirt floor, right? Murutza, if it's tiled, it's stone, then you're allowed to sweep. Okay, go back up to number twelve for just a moment. He says, "V'yishmatirin." So then, the Shulchan calls Others ultimately, again, permit the sweeping of a floor, even if it's not tiled or stone. The Mishnaburah and Sivchas, I'll just say this outside, Mishnaburah comments on this. He says, what's the reason for that? They hold it's not a psik ratio. They hold it's not a psik ratio. They hold that it is possible to go ahead and sweep the floor, even without leveling it out. Okay, back up to number 12. Haggah. Here we go. We'll say, watch this. I'm a number 12, second line in. Haggah. The comments. The Esh Machmir in Amphilo says, there are those who are Machmir. Even if you have a tiled floor or a stone floor, you still can't sweep it on Shabbos. There will be the logic behind that. What's the logic? Right? We're concerned that if we allow you to do it ultimately again with a stone or a tiled floor, you may come to go ahead and do it even in a dirt floor. You see what's happening over here? Fundamental, overwhelming, dramatic. Machlok Machaber and Ramah. The Mechabra says, everyone agrees you can't sweep dirt floors. It's a psychracia. And everyone agrees with. What about tiled floor? Stone floor? Ramah, Yes. So, I'm sorry. shulchan Arach, yes. Ramah, quotes those who say no. Even the tiled floor, lest you come to go ahead and lest you come to go ahead and sweep the dirt floor. Now look what he writes. And the writes, this is how he passed in. Don't change. So according to the Ramah, it sounds like over here that what? You can't sweep your floors on Shabbos. Can't sweep on Shabbos. I, who, who, who no one has a dirt floor, right? Can't sweep on Shabbos, right? Me before you go running home, telling your wife this, right? Calm down, right? Now watch this. Once second, are not finished. He says, what are you going to say? I'm sorry. So by the way, so Sukkah, this is a big, this is a big thing right? Sukkah, you really may actually be running up against an Isradar Isa if you sweep out the Sukkah. Yeah, assuming that your Sukkah's on the ground. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see. We're going to talk about that. Samara says as follows. I'm sorry. The the Ramah says as follows. So the Ramah gives two carve-outs. Number one, you could ask a Gentile to do it. So in other words, I, as a Jew, a Jew is according to the Ramah a Jew is not allowed to sweep on Shabbos. Whether you have a dirt floor, which would be an ised da right, or even a tiled floor, which would still be an ised rabbanon, lest you come to sweep a dirt floor. So, what are the two outs Number one, you can ask an jew to do it, and you could ask straight out for an jew to do it. Amir I'm sorry. Amir no, no, that's his point because it's not a miro because it's not really a malacha, huh? right? Again, remember this is a Atu, so you're allowed to go ahead and do it. Or he says, another interesting idea is, if you sweep with something gentle. What's his example of a gentle item? He says, if you sweep, if you sweep with a garment. In other words, let's say a piece of cloth. In other words, with, by the way, we'll say, just so you understand, were their brooms? What were they using for brooms? They were using um, palm fronds. Fronds? Fronds? Yeah. Palm. Palm zachen. Right? You know, I you know, you got it. Right? So the palm fronds, right? that's what they were using. So those, those were a little bit sharper. And could go ahead and literally level things out. Therefore, he says if you sweep with something softer, he gives an example of a feather. Right? If you sweep with a feather, there's not going to be any hashvas, gumos, right? You're not leveling anything out over there. And therefore again, or with a garment, that would be fine. So both say, so what we are left with over here is like a dramatic machlis mahaban. So if you're sphartic, if you're sphartic, so it sounds like as long as your floor is not dirt, then Allah you could sweep. You could sweep. Everyone agrees that you can't go ahead and sweep dirt floors. Everyone agrees with that. But the Rebbe Chabra says if your floor is not dirt, but your floor is tiled stone, you could do it. The no. Can't sweep even a tiled ore or stone floor lest you come to sweep a dirt floor. So according to Shachonar, Ashkenazim, don't sweep on Shabbos. Ashkenazim, don't sweep on Shabbos. The exceptions, you could have a non-Jew do it. Or you could use like a very soft, uh, very soft broom, which will not go ahead and level anything out. I will say, again, you know, this becomes one of these interesting, interesting things that we see in halacha. You know, whenever you see something that seems so black and white, I'll say, everyone sweeps on Shabbos. Everyone sweeps on Shabbos. So what's, what's going on over here? So take a look at number 14. Comes along the Bear Halacha says something really quite fascinating. He says, now, this is a much longer and involved conversation. I'm only giving you just a snippet of it over here. So the Baruch Ha'alachah number 14, he says, what comes out, what comes out from, from everything. Listen to this. He says, if you live in a place where all of the homes in the city are, oh, oh, I'll call upon them Rubam. Mirutsafim Bikrashim. So again, so now the B'Halacha says, but let's bring this contemporarily. If you live in a place where no one has dirt floors, everyone has tiled or stone floors, or the majority of homes in the locale in which you live have tiled or stone floors, he says, And all the more, if people anywhere are usually sweeping from Erev Shabbos, we'll come back to that in just a moment. So here it is. So, so the says, the Bar-Halocha says that the Ramo is operating under the assumption that the majority of people have dirt floors. And therefore, again, in the Ramah's view, if the majority of people have dirt floors, even if you have a tile or a stone floor, you still can't sleep because we're afraid of confusion. But the ber halacha says, if everyone in the city has a regular floor, right, a hard, we'll call it a hard floor, right, or the majority of people have a hard floor, there's no concern for any level of confusion, and therefore, HaLochah LaMaisa's sweeping becomes permitted. So, say, so now we begin to see HaLochah LaMaisa, why we sweep on Shabbos, everything based on this ber halacha. So again, remember, what comes out is certainly everyone's going to agree that a dirt floor, a dirt floor is certainly going to be an Isidara Isa. That's for sure. Or at least the strong, the de Rabbanon, Right? Tiled floor. So again, we have the Ramah, saying still shouldn't do it. Mechaber says you can do it. Per halacha, it's a societal halacha. If you live in a place where the majority of people have a tiled floor, or when I say tiled, it's a hard floor, then you're allowed to sweep on Shabbos. Good. If you look at number 15, Rishol Muzam, and Shemir Shabbos, he writes as follows. He says, He says, you are not permitted to sweep an area that is not uh, a tiled or stone floor. So this is interesting. So just to understand what 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 Shmuel just did. Shmuel Shabbos Chilul Hashem is like the very right? And therefore again I will say If you live in a place where the majority of homes have a stone or tiled floor then ultimately, again, and you have a stone on top floor, you could sweep. Shemir Shab is, to- is talking about, huh? let's say now you find yourself in a place where the majority of floors aren't, aren't tiled or stone. For example, what's the example he gives? Camp. Now, he's not talking about the camps that our kids go to with air conditioning in the bunks, Right and uh, caviar at the canteen you know you know not not land like that you know uh, again you know girl camps right with a floor you know the floor if there was a floor right you know so so again he's saying so, so it's interesting he says so you might have a certain situation at home where halachah you could sweep, but if you do find yourself in a if you do find yourself in a place like a camp where there's a dirt floor then enochinami again even let's suppose I'll give you an example of this let's say i let's say I'm in camp. And again, it happens to be the house that I'm in has a stone floor, but the majority of the campgrounds are just on dirt floors. Rosh Hashanah will say, in that case, you can't sweep your house. Right? Why? What's the logic? Why can't you sweep your house? Why? Because in your locale, the majority of people have dirt floors. Now, I'm say, in the footnote over here, Rosh Hashanah says something amazing, which I have to tell you something I never thought about. I never thought about this example until he says, look at it right. He writes, footnote, yud. Vishamati. We'll say, watch this case. This is you'll see how nice the case is. Person has a home. Okay. Again, we we, we, we conduct all like the The majority of homes, all the homes, right, have regular floors. Therefore, allowed to sweep. I' we'll say outside of my house, I have a patio. Have a patio. Right, an outdoor patio, my outdoor patio obviously leads into my backyard. Are you allowed to sweep your patio? Are you allowed to sweep your patio? It's a good kasha. What would you say? What would you say? <coughs> so, so maybe up, Maybe it depends on most people's patios. Like in other words, the people have dirt. Okay, one possibility. Good. Other possibility. It's bottled to the house. Right? So Rashul very interesting. He says, even though the patio is not enclosed, he says essentially it's bottled to the house. The patio is considered to be an extension of the home. Now I will say if you think about it, it's really fascinating because what Rashwald is really saying is, my it's just listen to how fascinating this is. My patio is not an is not a part of my backyard. My patio is considered to be an extension of the house. Now obviously he's talking about a patio. That is attached to the house. Right? In other words, if you have like a standalone patio in the in the middle of your backyard, you can't sweep that. You can't sweep that. But Lamais assuming that the patio is attached to the house, so Lemais again, that patio has the din of a home, and therefore you are permitted to go ahead and sweep it on Shabbos. Which you're also saying fascinating. You know why it's also fascinating? Just even if you think about it from a real estate perspective, like I think when people like sell a home, like the square footage, right? Your patio, uh, your patio is not included in the square footage of, of your home, right? It's interior roofed space. So it's just interesting that Shomel Zaman is saying, but since it's attached to your home, therefore it's considered like your house, and therefore ultimately it can be swept. He goes on, he says, ultimately, again, we view the Chatzar, ultimately, again, as, a, as an extension of the home, even if it's not roofed, okay, beautiful, so, say, so that's that, so, say, so that's sweeping, and that's why contemporarily, so again, say just one of these fascinating, fascinating examples in halacha, that if you were to open up a Shulchan Aruch and just sweep the Shulchan Aruch, it seems, it's as clear as they say, Baruch Hashem Mishpat it's as clear as the sun at midday, that you're not allowed to sweep your floor on Shabbos. But Baruch Hashem for the ber halacha tells us again, societally it's different, and therefore we are able to sweep. Now, that's sweeping. Take a look at number 16. Says the Shulchan Aruch, we will say, I, again, I, I just, I just want to point out to you, remember, remember, does this discussion of sweeping have anything to do with Choresh? So it's yes and no. Remember, we got started on it because of Choresh. Because remember, again, it started with a discussion, ultimately, again, of leveling out your field. Now, once we move into inside the house, remember, this is no longer a discussion about Choresh. What is it? What is it? Uh, discussion um, of? Of Bona. But again, that's why I pointed out to you that some of the most exciting, exciting topics in Choresh are actually not Choresh, but they're Bona. So we'll say along those same lines, like number 16. Look at the Shekharonimach, even if you have a tiled or stone floor, what can't you do? You can't wash your floor on Shabbos. You can't mop. You can't mop. Now, we'll say, so the truth is, in Smeichah, we spoke about this a little bit, we're, we're leaving aside the issues of mopping that may be, that may be involved with what? S'chita, melaben. Again, a very easy way to think about this is just like a sponge, Right? So there's no, right, there's no, there's no, there's no schit or involved in a sponge, right? So that's, that's the easiest way to imagine. So you can't mop your floor, you can't mop your floor on Shabbos. That is Oser. And the Shachanach says, even if the floor is a hard floor, even if the floor is, what's going on over here? So we'll say, so take a look at number 17. It's actually very interesting. So the Mishnah Bruce says a number 17, where it says, Sif Taz he writes as follows. So skip down a little bit. He says, So we'll say, so ultimately once again, what's the problem with mapping? It's wrong with mapping. Problem with mapping is once again straightening out the ground. Now remember we're talking about the interior of your house. So therefore straightening out the ground is not going to be a problem of chorich, it's going to be a problem of vinyon. So I but we'll say but one second. If sweeping is if sweeping is permitted, then why isn't mapping permitted? Listen to this leman de shari even according to the opinion, it says you're allowed to sweep on Shabbos. The shiny like Let me ask this: This is actually this is so fascinating, so fascinating. Listen to this. Let say if I were to ask you, what is the fundamental difference between sweeping and mopping? I know these are not the things that keep you up at night, but, but, like, but like think about this, right? And you saw this this difference between sweeping and mopping. What's the difference? What's the difference? So Mapping soaks it up. Good. I'm sorry? Disinfects. Good. I'm sorry? Wet first try. Good. bringing, Good. Listen to this. You saw this as the is advancing. The avoda of sweeping is the removal of dirt. The avoda of Mapping is the beautification of the ground. That, that's how the Mishtebrurah frames the difference over here. So therefore, listen to this. So therefore, because mapping really represents a beautification of the ground, that hits too close to home, to the Molochah of Bona or Choresh, because that's the will remember again, also we saw the Rambam's definition of Choresh is what? Li'apos esacharka anything that beautifies the ground. So therefore, the Mishnah Buru says, even those opinions that allow for sweeping, that's because the Iker avoda of sweeping is not the beautification of the ground. It's the removal of the dirt. Okay, de facto, you make the floor look a little bit nicer, but that's not the Avodah. The avoda is the removal of dirt. But by mapping, where the Iker Avodah ultimately, again, is actually the beautification of the floor, Mishnah Buru says, everyone agrees you are not permitted to do that, to the point that even what, even if the floor is tiled, right, even if the floor is absolutely okay, you are not allowed to mop the floor. We'll say, and that is We do not mop floors on Shabbos, even if it's a situation. There's no schita, there's no malabe, there's none of the associated. You're not allowed to mop a floor on Shabbos now. But I will tell you something interesting. The one exception to this is in number eighteen. I didn't put on the sheet. I'll say outside. In the shilas etshuvas nishma Shabbos. He brings out something interesting. What happens if like there's some real schmutz on the, on the floor and, and sweeping is not, going to, is not going to get it off? So what the Shabbos brings down is he says like, you could spray something on it in order to go ahead and remove it. I don't know, not like Windex, but whatever, like, you know, whatever the equivalent floor equivalent of Windex is. Right? So you could, you could spray something on it in order to go ahead and remove it. And that's not called mopping. That's not called mapping. al-Maisa, this is actually very interesting. al again, mapping doesn't make a difference. Obviously, in a dirt floor, it's not going to be good, but even in an under floor, even in a hard floor, ultimately, again, it's going to be Osir because the Ikar avoda is the beautification, ultimately, again, of the ground. And even though one can make the argument that on a hard floor, a tiled floor, there's absolutely no problem. But here the Mishnah says we have to be concerned that if we allow it on a hard or tiled floor, you are going to come to ultimately do it on, potentially do it on a dirt floor. Right, so I think we're going we're to stop here. We're going to stop here for this evening. Just want to tell you coming attractions. So just, just also to mention again a couple of things. So first of all, we're going we're to we're do a Bechina Amirat HaShem once every four Shi'urim. Just to keep everyone together and going, please get a chavrusa. We didn't do a, we didn't do a lot, but we covered a lot. We'll, we'll get through more. Emirat Hashem chazur over what we did. See Ari Lichterman if you either want to volunteer to do Chazar sheets or or compile the shailas and shuvas that come up. Also, again, smichas chaver is still continuing. Emir Hashem. So that's going to be just on Wednesday night, same slot, seven fifty seven fifty to eight thirty five. Ahmad Yomi switched a little bit now from 8.40 to 9 o'clock, and there's a, <laughs> a myriv in Yasser shem at 9 o'clock, although if the Hebrew wants to make another Mayriv, Yomi Yomi's going to be in here. So if there's interest in, a, in another myriv in the shul right now, well so for those who aren't staying for Amad Yomi, that's fine. As I'm saying, Again, this is a very exciting limud. Here's what I'm going to tell you is we are going to get through all 39 Malachas. We will probably be like coming to share it with our walkers by the time we get to the end of this, but that's okay. That's okay. It's not, it's not a rush. This is the long game of Mirat I also say, but, th- but that's really what we're setting out to do. We're starting from the beginning. We're not going to take shortcuts. We're going to go malacha after malacha after malacha. Some will be a little bit more interesting. Some will be a little bit more challenging and difficult. Coming attractions to next week, I will say. Coming attractions. And you may choose to come or not to come to this year, based on what I'm about to tell you. Ball playing on Shabbos. Right? So ball playing on Shabbos. Is th- this is the sugyal. This is the sugya about leaving aside muktza, leaving aside any muktza issues, but the notion of whether or not ball playing is permitted on Shabbos and what type of ball playing is permitted on Shabbos is going to be this sugya of Chorosh Meretz Hashem that's going to us next week. Buzay Shkoyach. Amad begins in here in just two minutes.